We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, Good morning. Uh, It's good to be with all of you this morning as we wrap up our series, Unhurried, uh, about Sabbath. Uh, Before we do that this morning, uh, with churches all over the world today, we're celebrating All Saints Sunday. And what that means for Christians, and they've been celebrating it for centuries, is that we think about those that have gone before us. And not just in the sense that they've died before us, but that they've gone before us and paved the way for us, given gifts to us, showed us the way in our life, given us wisdom and direction and understanding, and we give thanks to God for those people. And in this past year, many of us, maybe all of us, have lost somebody that showed us the way, that um, showed us meant to be a spiritual person, to follow Jesus, to become a Christian, whatever that means, to be a deeper, more profound person, to be a moral or upright person, and we give thanks to God for them. And so with churches all over the world, we lift up those people, as the church has said for centuries, we hold them up to the light, that light perpetual shines upon them, and we know, even in our heartache and our grief, that as we talk about Sabbath, they're in this rest that God offers all of us, eternal rest. When we come to this table, we get a taste of that rest. And when we worship together, we get a taste of that rest. And we're reminded and we're comforted by that fact. So before we read scripture today and uh, hear about what it means to Sabbath and worship, let's take a moment just of silence. And if you want to utter aloud the names of people that you've lost in this past year, the saints before us, just to lift them up to God, you can do that as well. We'll just hold a couple of moments of silence or if you want to say names aloud, let's pray together. God, we thank you for the cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, for the ways that they've shown us your goodness, for your likeness that shone through them, for the ways that they lead us even now by their example, for the ways that they exemplified what it means to be a person of love and peace and compassion and mercy. We give you thanks, even in our grief and our loss, in our heartache and our longing, We rest in your promise. We rest in your promise that uh, you embrace all of us. Death is not the last word. That your life springs eternal all around us, even in the midst of loss. We praise you with them. We join our voices with them because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wrapped up this series, I wanted to just hear more from the way Jesus practiced the Sabbath. And he went into the temple, this was early in his ministry, and he went into the temple and he read aloud this scroll of Isaiah, this uh, old ancient text that all of his peers would have been familiar with, to kind of say, this is why I'm here. It says it so clearly, this is who I am, this is why I'm here. This is in Luke 4, the very beginning of Luke's biography of Jesus, in 4.14, Uh, we hear Jesus' mission proclaimed on the Sabbath. uh, This text says this. 
Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from prophet Isaiah. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning and for this opportunity to hear what it means to worship you in our rest. We thank you for the example of Christ and for the saints that go before us, that show us the way to draw our attention and orient our lives around you and who you are. Be with us in this moment by your spirit. Amen. Uh, I woke up at five today <laughs> thinking it was six. <laughs> uh, and so we're all, I have cause for celebration. Uh, and no matter what you've heard or anything I've said, I've only ever rooted for one baseball team. Uh, I've only ever been a fan of the Astros and they won. So, you know, you've heard rumors maybe. Yeah, you can clap for that. Sure, sure, yeah. Go Astros. The reason for celebration, we got an extra hour and, uh, you know, we needed it just to, to rest from all the excitement. It was an exciting evening and so excited for the city of Houston. And, uh, you know, it really brings a city together to celebrate something like that. And, uh, you know, it just is really a warmth to me that the two best teams in baseball have won in Houston back to back. So uh, just grateful for that. We can move on. We can move on. Uh, I wore my shirt. People are like, oh, did it hurt when you put it on? No, it's fine. Uh, I, can, I, I fully uh, am grateful for and celebrating the Astros today and the win, and it means so much to this city. So grateful for it. Uh, we're wrapping up our series called Unhurried today, what it means to Sabbath this kind of practice that God gave from the very beginning. In fact, it's in the Ten Commandments. Uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Make it holy for yourself. Set it aside. Uh, the Sabbath is this gift that God gives. Last week, uh, Michelle led us in remembering that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God didn't, you know, uh, build the Sabbath and say, okay, people, ascribe yourselves to it. No, he created man out of his love for humanity, created humanity so that they could have companionship and community with one another. And one of the gifts he gave them was rest. He gave them rest and that they could delight in that rest. And it finds us. God takes the initiative to find us where we are and bring his joy and delight to us in our rest. We can recognize and realize who he is. And because of who God is, because of his character, because of his desires for us, he gives us this gift, not so we can recharge and do more work, but rest in and of itself to rest in the reality that God is with us. And that's the good news. And so we've gone through thinking about the Sabbath by these four rhythms, that Sabbath can kind of mean four different things, stop, rest, delight, and then we land here on worship. And I kind of see them in this cyclical relationship that wherever we can step into the practice of the Sabbath and those four rhythms, it kind of pulls us into its gravitational pull. So maybe it's easier for us just to stop and pause, and that's where we have to start our practice. So we stop. And then that pulls us to what it means to rest, to really set some agendaless time aside and just to be in God's presence. 
and then to also let the, the delight of that find us, and then ultimately for us to realize that it's pointing us back to worship. Worship really is uh, ascribing to God who God is. God already knows who he is fully, but we repeat back to God in our singing and in our prayers and in our reading of the scripture, God's character, because it reminds us not just who God is, but in God, who we are. So we set aside this time to remember that, and it shapes us, and it forms us, and it makes us more like God. It makes us more peaceful and restful people. It makes us more compassionate people. It makes us, frankly, easier to be around. So we set it aside. And so we see like this day, if it's Sunday for you, many of you, Sunday is the best day if you want to set aside a whole day for Sabbath. For me, it's probably more like Saturday. Uh, we set aside this time, and it has a purpose. Things have a purpose. Did anybody get China when they were married? Any married folks get China as like a, a wedding gift? Do you use it very much? <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know, like Taco Tuesday, like get your China out, you know? Or like, oh, I'm going to run through Chick-fil-A, put the Chick-fil-A on the China. No, like you set it aside. Like China has a purpose. You got it so it's for special meals, for Thanksgiving in particular, or for Christmas, or for celebrations. If someone's baptized, you go home and you have your nice China out to have a meal, or someone is married, or you have a celebration or a birthday party, you pull the China out. For the most part, it's hidden away somewhere, or it's maybe displayed in a hutch or something with like a glass uh, door on it so you can see it. it's really beautiful. It has a purpose. These like uh, uh, things we have in our kitchen, these single-use items, like we use them sometimes and we clean them and then we put them away. Uh, December of 2015, Landon and I had been married for uh, not even two months at this point, and we got a gift from my stepmom, Kristen, uh, and it was a berry bowl. And I didn't know what a berry bowl was. And if you had said berry bowl to me, I remember I'm from a small town in Arkansas. I'm like, is that like the Fiesta Bowl or the Orange Bowl? Like it's a sporting event or something. But no, it was like a functional object, a berry bowl. It's beautiful. It's ceramic, has this really nice pattern on it. It has holes. It's like kind of thick clay, glazed clay, has holes in it. You rinse your berries in it and you can like put it on the table at breakfast. And so you don't have to keep it in that like ugly plastic blister packaging, you know? You have this ceramic bowl. And we were looking at it like, oh, this is such a nice, thoughtful gift. It's very specific. There's probably not another one like it. And we were looking at it, and Landon said, do not strain pasta with this. <laughs> uh, we had only married two months, and she knew me. I felt seen, you know, like, that, would, that thought would have crossed my mind, you know, like, it's like a colander. I'm only making, like, 12 tortellinis. Like, let's get the berry bowl out. It looks nice, you know? But that's not what it's for, you know? It has a specific purpose. Do not strain pasta in the berry bowl. Like, rule number one. Seven years in, doing great. I have not strained pasta in the berry bowl. Uh, and I'm not lying, I swear, I haven't ever done it. <laughs> uh, but these objects have a purpose. Uh, they ha have a specific use. And to use something nice like China to have Taco Tuesday or to use the berry bowl to strain pasta in it, like if you were to do that, it would feel kind of off. Like we set these precious things aside to have these specific roles in this specific place in our life. Like the, these objects, they have meaning to them as well. Tim Keller tells this kind of parable story of a woman whose grandmother passed away and she inherited all this jewelry and she kept all the jewelry in a jewelry box and it was kind of a thin flat box and she kept it on a side table and they'd stack stuff on top of it and she kind of kept it in her bedroom and her bookshelf at one point and the books were around it would kind of get lost and she didn't really ever wear it. It wasn't really her style and she kind of put it in the living room and people would open up and be like, oh, there's nice jewelry in here. And she's like, yeah, it's my grandmother's. I don't you know, really have any use for it. And uh, she came on some hard times. So she was kind of selling some things, and she was wondering, you know, oh, I don't know anything about this jewelry. 
maybe maybe some of it's a value, I don't really know. I, probably not, there's so much of it, just kind of trinkets. And she had a jeweler come to her house, and he was looking through this jewelry box, and he said, <laughs> you're dumber than you deserve to be, and luckier than you know. And started to pull out all these pieces, like, look what you, you don't even know what you have. Like, it's been hiding on the side table and on your bookshelf. Like, look at this, and look at this. And he had his little, you know, gemstone viewer. It was like looking at all, like, this is so precious, and you've been hiding it away. And sometimes these, these gifts that we've been given, a berry bowl or china or a box of jewelry, we don't know what we have. And I kind of feel that way about the Sabbath. And I say this about myself, that like the gift of the Sabbath that God has given us, sometimes I don't know what I have. <laughs> I don't know what Jesus is offering when he invites us to Sabbath, to rest in him, to pause and remember who he is. We don't know what we have. And I look at this story of Jesus going in on the Sabbath and kind of saying, this is what it's all about. This is why I'm here. Uh, this is what the Sabbath means. I come and, and read the scroll to you in, in, in the presence of all these people worshiping and gathered on this day, week after week after week. And he says, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and God has anointed me, that has set me aside, kind of like the Sabbath, to accomplish these things. You know, in Hebrew, uh, the, the word for holy is kadosh, like this is set apart, it's set aside. And the first mention of that word is referred to in, or referring to the Sabbath. God sets aside this day as a gift. And biblical scholars have this thing called the rule of first mention. And if something is uh, mentioned for the first time, like you really want to pay attention to that. And the first time something is set aside to be holy, it's the Sabbath. But we've lost it. We, we don't know what we have. And in, in Sabbath, in this day that God has given us that we've talked about for these past few weeks, we don't know what we have. And on this Sabbath day, it says Jesus goes into the synagogue. Like he said, uh, there's this kind of note you can roll over. That he did it every week uh, when he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. He went to the synagogue on Sabbath day as was his custom. Like this is something Jesus did regularly. And he stood up to read and out of the scroll of Isaiah, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, as I just said, to do all these things, to bring good news to the poor, to send me to proclaim release to the captive, to set people free, recovery of sight to the blind, and set the oppressed free, and to pro proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, jubilee, that there's enough to go around. And often I don't feel like our Sabbath is that way, and I often don't feel like if Sunday is our Sabbath that it's that way. It's what Bethany Allen, a pastor in Portland, she calls it Sabbish. <laughs> you know, that we've kind of set it aside, like we do our chores and also like listen to a worship song, <laughs> or we watch TV with our Bible open on our lap and we'll glance down at it occasionally, or we'll show up to church and we'll like, you know, half-heartedly listen, or we'll treat somebody poorly, or we'll, you know, come for the coffee, which is uh, good on you, it's very good, or, uh, you know, the donuts, also a good option, uh, but it's sabbish. It's not really set aside to be holy. It's kind of set aside for a little bit of something that resembles maybe sort of a religious or spiritual life. But Jesus, in reading from this scroll in Isaiah that has this list of all these things that he's going to accomplish, and we believe that he is accomplishing, it's set aside to reorient our lives around who God is. That's what worship is. I was reading this week about the etymology of the word worship, and it kind of shocked me. I'd never heard this before, that many people think it came from this old English phrase, uh, worth shape, worth shape. And it is so fascinating that like you're shaping your worth around this thing. 
worth shape, and it became the word worship, that you're ascribing to this thing ultimate value, that at the center of your life is this thing, if I, if I could just have that, or if I could just be that, or if I could just achieve that, or if I could just have that one thing, it would make everything right. But under the assumption that we all worth shape something, we all worship something, we all rearrange the furniture of, of our lives around something or someone or some idea, whether we know it or not. And the call of Jesus on the Sabbath if we're going to really reorient our lives around maybe just a couple of hours or a 24-hour day, is to shape our lives, to worth shape our lives around God and who God is. To remember who God is and what God is like. To remember what God has offered in Jesus. To remember the gift that we have, that it's for a specific purpose. And it's not just to rest to make us more productive the next day. And it's not just so we could say, like, I'm really living an unbusy, unhurried life right now. Or for somebody to come up to you and you can, like, talk down to them and say, like, hey, what do you have going on Saturday? I'm consecrating my life to God, you know. I put that on your to-do list, you know. <laughs> but it's to transform and shape your character and reorient and organize your life, your days, your hours, your minutes, your seconds around this idea of holiness. Like, I'm setting this time aside for God. I'm setting this day aside, this 24-hour day, just to bask in and rest in and to stop and recognize who God is. I'm setting aside this time to ascribe myself and attach myself to this mission that Jesus is proclaiming in Luke 4, to release captives and bring recovery of sight to the blind and lift up the lowly and the oppressed and to set the captive free and to liberate people that the Sabbath prepares us to step into what God's already doing in our community. Say, like, I'm prepared to do it because I know who God is and I know what he desires for all of us. Uh, I've had a lot of people talk to me about this series over the past few weeks. And just like, what's the, what's the first steps? And we've, we've tried our best to maybe provide some resources and there's a lot of good resources out there for if I want to set aside time for Sabbath or if I want to live a Sabbath-centered life, what should I do? And we kind of, you know, we've boiled it down to these four rhythms of stop, rest, delight, and worship. But I think the first step, the foundational thing, the one thing that we have to do is just to keep it consistent. That if we, like, try to do a 24-hour day next week, it'll burn us out and we'll never try it again. <laughs> but if we can set aside just a little bit of time every day, like Sabbath time, or we can add a, an hour every Saturday for the next several Saturdays, or we can plan one out far, far in advance so we can really set that time and space aside with your family or loved ones or on your own to have that day set apart, that we keep it consistent. I'm reminded of a story that Jim Collins, the kind of leadership expert, tells about two teams of men uh, on a 1,400-mile journey to the South Pole. And it was during the summer, so it was, you know, just like a warm, like, sub-20 degrees uh, and these two teams uh, were trying to get to the South Pole, and they had two very different strategies of how they were going to get there. Uh, one team, uh, I think the man's name was Richard Falcon Smith, which if we ever have children, I'm putting Falcon higher up on the list. Um, Falcon, really, really nice. The other guy's name was like Arnold uh, Anidson. It's like a, a Scandinavian name, uh, less high up on the list. Uh, Falcon, number one. Uh, the, the first team, Falcon's team, uh, they made the mistake of changing how many miles they went depending on the conditions. So if the conditions were better and it wasn't snowing, it was a little warmer, maybe just like minus 10 degrees, uh, they would go like 30 or 40 miles. But on days where it was just dumping snow and like sub 30 degrees, they wouldn't maybe go any or maybe just go a few miles. Arnidson's team went 15 to 20 miles 
every single day. And they made it. And Falcon's team, despite his cool name, didn't. <laughs> because of the external circumstances, they changed their consistency. But Arnardson's team made it because every day, 15 or 20 miles in, every single day, no matter the conditions. I want to invite us to think about that, not just in our Sabbath practice, but in our spiritual practice in general. What would it be like if we just committed to not having a breakthrough every Saturday, but just having something every Saturday? There's this quote, and I've read it in here before, and I think it really is just the anthem of what it means to live a consistent Sabbath life. And so if you want to close your eyes or open your hands or just reflect on this, you're invited to, or just listen to these words from Dallas Willard, who invites us to think about what it means to live a consistent spiritual life. He says this, The first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. That's the invitation. Day in, day out, baby steps. Like, um, um, what's the Bill Murray movie? Um, what about Bob? There it is. I knew it was Bob something. You know, baby steps out the door, baby steps in the elevator. Just take the step. Thank you, David. I knew I liked you. Uh, take the baby steps. Uh, they're, they're, these habits we already have are not the law of gravity. They're habits, and they can be broken. If God is the pole star of our inward beings, if we continually reorient our lives back and back and back to him, that's the goal. It's not to like come out of Saturday or Sunday on your Sabbath day like, wow, they're a monk now. You know, they're, When they walk around, they're glowing. They have this way about them. But the consistency, the 15 or 20 miles every single day, or if anything... Have a day that's like this berry bowl, <laughs> and it has one purpose, and it's not straining pasta. <laughs> it's not watching television all day. It's not bemoaning that you have to go to work the next day. It's finding joy and fulfillment and contentment in this, in this gift that you've been given, to know what you have, to draw your attention and, and your awareness to this gift, to not set it aside to set apart the time, to set aside the time, to make it holy to the Lord, to consecrate your time, whatever that means for you. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in a moment. You're not going to have a breakthrough. You might, but you may not in just in the single moment that you try it. But over the course of time, over the habit, over the adding and adding and adding and baby steps and baby steps and baby steps and this habit forming that we do together, you will see transformation you will get more and more a taste and an understanding of what it means to rest in God. You will be able to stop without really having to try. You will be able to rest and really rest and not be thinking about what's coming tomorrow or what you left behind in the day before. You will be able to be found in delight of God, to have a smile across your face and the gifts that you've been given. And that's true worship. That's true worth shaping your life around who God is. That's shaping your life around just his beauty and his goodness, and not just for you, but for the whole world. That's what Sabbath is about, and that's the invitation that we have.
Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this beautiful gift, this day or this time, this disposition, this gift that you've given us of Sabbath, the ability to stop and rest in who you are. We thank you for that gift, and we just ask that you continually invite us into it, draw us into it, give us opportunities to find it in our lives as you find us, as you offer us joy, as you help us stop and shape our lives around how worthy and beautiful you are. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.